Hi, I'm Dr. Chris Crowley. Welcome to another episode of Beauty and the Brain. I'm here today with my husband. I'm Jerry Drinker, family nurse practitioner, and together we own Skin and Tonic, a med spa here in Pace, Florida. We're super excited to have a guest with us today for this episode. So we have Dr. Buffy Bailey, and uh, we've been friends with Buffy for like a really long time, so more than I care to say, because it'll, it'll uh, age us all, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Buffy um, is a, has a primary care practice. She has some direct primary care, um, as well as uh, some concierge medicine. And, you know, we've kind of worked together for a long time and have a, a lot of things that we want to discuss about on the podcast. So we really appreciate you taking time to be here with us. Thank you. Um, Talk about some kind of areas that we can uh, collaborate together, how we collaborate now, because I think a lot of our uh, listeners and a lot of people out there starting practices really see everybody around them as their competition, and they don't understand how um, we all don't have to do everything, and we have different areas of expertise, and you can really work collaboratively with people in uh, your community. I agree. So tell us a little about just kind of your journey, how you got from bedside nursing, which is where you and I both started to like where you are today. I think it's pretty amazing. So I started in bedside nursing and wanting to make a bigger change led me into management. I um, had a goal of becoming a nurse practitioner and a little, you know, book of dreams that one day I just, I want to do my own thing. You know, at some point I think we all get frustrated working in a big healthcare system and always had a dream that, you know, I would if I had a little practice and just took care of a few people really well, that I would be really happy with that. And so um, when my husband, who was a surgeon, lost his eyesight, it kind of, um, and was unable to, you know, operate, I'm like, wow, you know, I decided, you know, and my mentor said, you need to throw that little book away or you need to go for it. And so I did. It started, you know, um, my own practice and, because I am an autonomous practice nurse practitioner. So um, we went from there with COVID, we've had to pivot so many times and change our business model, change our services and what we were, um, what we were able to do to just to bring care to people during that time, which is really how we got out. And I think people became aware of, you know, our mission and what we were trying to do. I think yeah. COVID seemed to really be a pivotal point for your practice. You kind of entered right at the time of right? Your practice was opening and COVID hit. Oh, I know. I thought, you know, oh my gosh, I've made the biggest mistake. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. And um, I was, you know, trying to stay positive because my husband was like, really now? And I'm like, mm-hmm, I got this. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, how are we going to swing this? I had a, my EMR was set up for a great telehealth platform but then part of like wellness and like some of my nerdiness and studying was i love the when people incorporate genetic testing into their like plan and preventative health and i'd set up a uh, affiliation with synergy a lab in mobile for that reason and then when covid happened they were able to do the you know genetic sequencing pcr testing for covid and as Many of you know we had a big lack of access um, to treatments and to testing here in our community, especially treatments that were valid and completed appropriately. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to offer that. We were able to help um, other small businesses stay open. Yeah, you were really one of the kind of leaders in terms of aesthetic, uh, not aesthetic, and primary care practices during throughout the whole COVID pandemic. I mean, you were going in to these businesses when nobody else would go in there. They couldn't get testing. You were helping them come up with their policies on how they could stay open. So, I mean, it, it really seemed like COVID was like a 
a huge part of your practice when you first started and have had to pivot now multiple more times as we've got that under control and it's died down. Absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, definitely. We were in a mask in an N95, like, all day long, every day, and providing healthcare in places I would have never dreamed, like parking lots, bars, restaurants. It really kind of gave that that old hometown doc feel to us in a modern medicine and something that most of us had never seen a, a mm -hmm. pandemic like that. And you were right in the in the heart of it. And I think I don't I don't know how how you feel, but as a nurse, if you would have asked me, I've been a nurse for thirty years, but if you would have asked me thirty years ago, I'd have never thought as a nurse that we'd be able to make that sort of difference in healthcare. Me either. Uh, like I, like you know, there has to be a bigger purpose. I say all the time because so many things have just fallen into place to facilitate us caring for people in a better way from the inside out and. I do think that's one of the positive things that COVID gave us was it, it really brought the basics of like fundamental nutrition and vitamins back into everybody's mind. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw someone check a vitamin D in an ICU patient or, you know, like it, it was pretty amazing. And we used that, you know, of all the experimental things that we'd use to treat COVID, like what do we know that worked really well? Well, vitamins, IV like taking good quality nutraceuticals. So I was really, you know, I think that's one blessing. <laughs> so we talked a little bit but, um, before we went on air here about, you know, how do you define your practice? And uh, a lot of people that kind of a, a big thing right now is just direct primary care and it kind of lapses over with concierge medicine, but I kind of see you as kind of a hybrid between those two. Do you want to talk a little bit about what your practice model looks like now for people don't, who don't know that they even have this sort of access to providers? Yes, um, I think it is a unique way of looking at it. We, um, we, you pay for the services that you get. We do have a few concierge patients that I still see in home. We even, with my partnership with the pharmacy, we'll even customize your daily pill packets with your vitamins. Like we, we really try to go into those fine details that, you know, we're able to do in a really a direct healthcare setting. So we don't bill insurance for my services. So the patient knows the cost up front. They, they're paying for what they get. They get refills, they pay. Um, we're not billing insurance, you know, trying to collect high dollar reimbursements. And so it gives us a little bit more freedom to care for patients in a manner that we think is appropriate and that, you know, is part of our mission. So I can really, when I take in a new patient, I spend an hour with them you know, because you can really learn more about a patient and their health when they put, oh, I don't have any health history on the um, intake form. And then you're like, oh, so you don't sleep? You're stressed? You, you know, you're always clenching your teeth? Or, you know, like, let's look at your blood pressure. Your, you know, your mother and father had hypertension and cholesterol and you're 45 and we've, we've never had lab work. Let's talk about that, you know? Well, I, I think by not taking, um and taking insurance, it does change your relationship as well with that patient because you're you're not you're not restricted and you're not having to meet these goals. I mean, certainly all have goals, but it allows you to make it a more personal visit. And it sounds like you're able to do that in in your role because I know just from we share several patients and they look to you for everything. But it's probably also a model that people don't necessarily abuse either, do they? 
or do you feel I shouldn't put I shouldn't answer that for you but no I don't I I want my patients to have that comfort level you know to to ask your advice and and I, I always tell them like I'm I don't know everything, but we'll get in the research and we'll look and we'll help you the best we can. And, you know, I always tell patients, like, I'm not for everybody, but I am for a few people, you know, <laughs> like, but I don't, so, and I'm also like, you know, my collaboration with you guys, I, patients are always like, well, why don't you do this? And let's just be a one-stop shop. Like, no, I have no interest in that. You need to go see Chris and Jerry. They do this all day long. I don't just how Jerry probably doesn't want to manage diabetes. Like, Well, I really kind of want to talk some more about that, but before we get into it, I think there's, you know, just for those out there who also hear and you're saying we don't take insurance when, you know, we tell you or are transparent with our pricing up front, I believe a lot of people interpret that or hear that and they think, oh, that's only for rich people. I can't afford it. But that's really not the case. I know that, but um, I want you to kind of just uh, elaborate a little bit so people can know that this is actually something affordable. It's not something only for the wealthy uh, individuals. That is absolutely true. And people assume that and because you get such a personal service, but it's very affordable. You know, you know, when you talk about the cost of healthcare, patients don't realize, you know, they think what we do is unaffordable, but because we don't take insurance, we're able to charge those lower prices. So who does that help? Well, patients without insurance or high deductible, because patients don't realize that if you accept insurance of any kind, you are you have to charge at least what Medicare would reimburse. Okay, so I just want to interject real quick there about this, uh, you know, mandate why we have to charge higher, mm -hmm. but it is actually a contractual requirement if you take insurance. So even being a, you know, a partner like in an anesthesia group, for instance, I can't just decide that I'm going to do someone's anesthesia for free because mm -hmm. we have contracts with uh, insurers and specifically Medicare and Medicaid. We are then required to charge everybody a certain fee. We are not allowed to just waive that. So by not taking insurance, this kind of allows you out of that loop where you can actually charge a fair price. Yes, and that's often lost on the consumer. They don't realize why prices are going up or, you know, why that provider has to see 25 patients and only 15 minutes with each of them. It's to meet all those regulations that are mandated along with in that contractual agreement. And, you know, that really, by staying out of that, it allows us to provide more affordable health care to those that need it. And, you know, for an example, we were talking about, you know, if you walk into a lab and you need to meet your deductible for a basic, you know, CBC, a blood count, they have to charge you what uh, Medicare would reimburse them. But because we can do it as cash pay, you know, you're looking at a test that's what, $10 as opposed to $250. And that's the, that's the big difference. And um, it is a, it is a struggle for a lot of other primary care providers because they are held to all these contractual arrangements that I think if I were in their shoes, I see how it just makes it so difficult to have a, you know, a practice with, you know, to around these regulations. You know, I think we all know this, but we really don't delve into it a lot. But with any sort of, you know, insurance based practice. Um, there is such extreme markups on everything just to, for the provider to get a fair price. So, yes. and this is throughout medicine, not just in primary care in the hospital, we see it, but you know what we can, uh, you know, buy for a relatively reasonable price in our clinic 
at the hospital, you may have to charge, you know, 20 or 30 or 40 times markup just to get the rate reimbursed by the insurance that actually you would make just by cutting all that middleman out and charging the patient directly. And yes, you know, short of some catastrophe where you're going to need like lots of ICU care, major surgeries and things like that, most people uh, are able to go and get a more personalized level of service. And I think I was shocked by that because I also thought and uh, for a long time ago when I heard this model being developed, like this will be just another way to only provide health care to the wealthy. And, uh, you know, again, I personally know that's not true now. You know, and we we do a lot of acute care walk-ins and it's it's still going to be, it's less expensive to become established with us and do a walk-in sick visit. Um, the pharmacists work really closely with me. So, you know, just yesterday we had, um, you know, a family came in, the pharmacist tested them for strep and they were already established with me. So they popped them in a room. We went in, had the test, got them some antibiotics and on their way, you know, um, where they, you know, called to get in with their regular doctor and it was going to be, you know, next day. So we're able to, you know, sort of fill those gaps. And even if we're not the primary care provider for some patients, and we're not, but, you know, I like to work with other providers. Like I see their patients when they're sick and send them right back. You know, it's, that's okay too. There's a, there's a place for all of us in the, you know, the care model. Well, one of the things I absolutely love about, um, you know, your particular practice, and I know because we do uh, collaborate a lot and have patients in common but between the practices, is that you really, um, you know, look at this holistically. So you, you don't just look at an individual problem. Yes, you can address a, a cold or flu or an individual problem, but uh, I think your passion and, and what you and I have talked about before many times is you like to promote this holistic view of care. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, fits uh, really well with our practice. So we're not doing a lot of these sick things at all. Clearly, we're a different practice model. We're doing more aesthetics and helping people, you know, look their best. And uh, we want them to kind of match. We want them to feel their best and look their best. And, and so I think it's a, a great area that we can, you know, kind of highlight a collaboration between two different practices in the, the community. You know, we, we look at services that overlap. You have us some great estheticians, some really uh, very well-known estheticians in the Pensacola area, great devices. I know you do uh, the hydrofacials at your practice, and obviously we have estheticians, and we do some of the uh, the hydrodermabrasions. We don't have that uh, hydrofacial machine that you have. You have the, the fancy one. <laughs> But then we also have other things, right? We overlap some with weight loss, but with ours, it's kind of for established patients. We're not doing all of the, you know, all the other diabetes management and hypertension and things that you're doing in your practice. So I think it's a a great example of where we have things that really overlap, um, but we don't either view it as as competition. We work very well together. And so... um, Tell, you know, maybe tell the listeners a little bit about some, uh, you know, uh, what the patients say when they tell you that they see us both, right? We've, we've kind of talked about this off camera, how they feel like they're cheating on one or the other if they, oh. they go for a service. Not to interrupt, but like, you know, I've always, like we were, we were at a conference recently and I've always talked about um, com- community versus competition. And then, and I've told Chris forever, I was like, I want to do something about community versus competition. I want to. And so we, we went to a, a Galdermo um, conference recently, and the speaker, he's like, well, let's talk about community versus competition. And I'm like, well, damn, like, I've been wanting to do this, and we didn't. <laughs> but I think there's a whole different um, point that we've also, I missed, or didn't miss, but I never, like, thought it until you just said it, but it's community competition and collaboration. And so, you know, it really kind of gets into what we're about to talk about, about how 
every service can complement another service and take care of that holistic person. You're absolutely right. There's a place for all of us. And, um, and I often tell patients, I'm like, you know, after they go through there, like, I'm, I'm cheating on you with them. Like, no, you're not. I sent you there like, <laughs> because they're the best. And, you know, like, I also, I think it's beneficial to have more than one set of eyes on you as a patient. Like, mm-hmm. you know, none of us are perfect. It just right. gives you an opportunity to someone to look at it from that. a different angle. I mean, there's a lot of great injectors, a lot of great practices in, in our region, like compared to a lot of parts of the U.S. where there's a, you know, a paucity of some people. And so, you know, I'm like, I don't want someone to come to me because I'm the only one and we trap them there. Mm-hmm. It's like I want them because we have a great relationship. We obviously focus on safety and quality results. Safety uh, is kind of our foremost thing that we do with the mm-hmm. products we use. And I know you're, you feel the same way I do on that. Have you noticed in when you're doing this holistic approach, how do you think aesthetics fits into that? Oh, wow. I mean, I think, you know, I think when you say that to people, they're like, oh, you know, like it, it's hard, like I think, until you really like look at the details of how they are so um, complementary of each other and they are really hand in hand. You have to be healthy on the inside, I think, to, you know, portray that on the outside is one. You know, having adequate nutrition, it's going to make the results of the injectables that you guys do like have a better result, right? Absolutely. That's your Absolutely. area. But, yeah. you know, even this week, you know, I've scheduled several patients, you know, post COVID, we've had a lot of patients with just chronic ear problems, um, fluid in the ears. So we're actually using our hydrofacial machine to do lymphatic drainage that has like relieved ringing in the ears. Like it was all just lymph. It was lymphatic. They were just stuck. And so you can visibly take one of these patients from an aesthetics, aesthetic machine, obviously, but I wish I could show you some of the before and afters where you do one side of the face and it's just dramatically different. You should use your research history and do a paper on that. I should, you know, I love some data. Yeah. (laughs) Love good data, but I am sort of tracking that, um, you know, and I've, I've read that before the benefits of like lymphatic drainage, but you know, you kind of say, Oh, well, that's great. But when you see it in action, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Well, and specifically, so, I mean, I think when people think about aesthetics, they're thinking about uh, like really superficial things and they feel like if I'm sick or if I, you know, have a medical condition, then these people that are going to the aesthetic practice, they're just very superficial and worried about it. And I'm like, you know, there's some actually some, some studies out there that even look at uh, using Botox to treat depression mm-hmm. and, and some uh, fairly good data with that. So uh, it's not just about how you look, right? But it, I know that uh, in terms of our mental health and um, uh, mental well-being, that if we can reflect and we feel confident about the way that our appearance is, that also uh, typically you're a little more compliant with all the other things that are going on in your life. So your diet is usually better. Maybe you're more motivated to go to the gym. So I do think they go hand in hand. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not just people being uh, you know, superficial to go and get every line and wrinkled smoothed out. Yeah, and I honestly, I send patients to you because I trust you and I trust the care that you're gonna give them. And I tell patients, you know, Call Sierra's gonna answer the phone. <laughs> They're gonna take great care of you. Tell them you're my, my patient. And and I, because I know you and I trust you to take good care of them. Just you, how, I mean, I assume you guys know I'm taking care of your patients too, yeah, but, or you, I, I do, I, but. Yes, absolutely. And, I think the patients really appreciate that when they have a provider that is willing to refer them to someone else 
for that they feel that can help them even further their their overall well-being. And like Chris said, the you know there's studies out there certainly to support the use of of, of neurotoxins and um, in depression. But we also feel better when we look good. You get them to look at feeling good on the outside, and we work I mean, on the inside right there, and we work on the outside. But there's a a lot of moving pieces in that, you know. And if they, if they aren't going all going together, then you still kind of feel like there's something missing. I agree with you. And, you know, another, um, I think another patient I send to you guys, like I obviously send you some sexual health patients. Um, and that's a, a hard conversation to have with a, a provider and it's hard for a patient to bring up. And so you, you don't want to send those patients to someone that you see on Instagram or the, yeah. you know, you could lose a relationship with the patient ever sending them to the wrong person for that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And sending them to a place where they feel like they were oversold or, you know, and I, you guys don't do that. And I send you a lot of migraine patients too, because the, the hassles of getting neurotoxin approved for migraines is difficult and it's, and you don't typically need all the neurotoxin that is mandated you get by insurance and you guys have really changed a few patients lives with that yeah we usually and, and i mean you know this that that um we're very much like you in terms of we'll say no if it's something somebody doesn't need it's not mm -hmm. just about coming in and saying i want this and we just automatically do it obviously if it's safe and we think it's effective then we'll provide that treatment but um you know so for migraines we're very upfront about the data on that and how many treatments, but you're, you're absolutely right. We find that many, many patients get relief with doses that we can use that are much lower than what's that approved by insurance. And to, you know better than I, but to get it approved by insurance is you know near impossible sometimes. So um, we have a lot of uh, listeners out there that are healthcare providers. So you know that, that um, we both uh, uh, teach a lot and travel around. And um, so we're constantly, and, and I'm the uh, CMO for Empire Medical. And so we are exposed to a lot of primary care providers mm -hmm. that, from a variety of backgrounds, from nursing, nurse practitioners, physicians, et cetera. And they want to incorporate aesthetics into their practice. And so, you know, you're, you're kind of doing this. I know you're not doing injectables and we're working together right now, but you are incorporating aesthetics into there. You have, mm -hmm. uh, like I said, several estheticians. So for those listeners, what would you say some of the challenges has been for you to kind of jump from doing some of your traditional primary care and now do aesthetics? With aesthetics, I think, and, and this is, you know, my Buffy's opinion, yeah. but I think it's... <laughs> That's this whole show. Is, yeah. It's our opinion. So it's all our so Yeah. <laughs> so just turn me off if you don't want to hear this. Okay. But I, I think people are quick to jump on into the aesthetics bus because they think it's instant money. Mm -hmm. And I always tell patients to, you know... You, you don't want to go to the person that just opened, <laughs> you know? Like, in aesthetics, you know... I believe I believe it's part of primary care, mm -hmm. and that's my belief. Um, but incorporating it, I think for me, the challenge has been um, in Florida, like what estheticians are able to do, and that that changing world, and then finding staff that are really well trained, and that's been a, a hardship on us. Um, and I'm really proud of our estheticians; they are amazing. Um, but, you know, they're unique. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it's a, that, that would say staff is a really um, kind of hard hard thing. So we've been really fortunate, and we have a great, great team at Skinatonic, but uh, I realize we hear that over and over again. Mm-hmm. A misconception, and like you said this the, the last time that we're, probably every time we've been together, but um, the I think one of the common misconceptions for people is that, one, owning your business is very difficult. Oh. And two, <laughs> you made the comment that you've never worked this hard for this little money, but you've yeah. also never worked this hard that you made this big a difference. And yeah. so there's that balance. Like, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. You know, um, between McClellan and I, we, we have three businesses. So two females with three businesses. And people see, I think, all the fun stuff on Instagram. Like, Tell us just a little bit about McClellan for anybody who doesn't know. So now's the time to get, you know, give give a plug to your other businesses in McClellan. Oh, so uh, Dr. McClellan Grimm, pharmacist, is my business partner. So she owns East Hill Pharmacy, which has been a staple in Pensacola for years. Um, we, you know, again, through that COVID pivot, started working together and it just continued to develop. And this is one of the changes in my practice where I'm talking about McClellan, but I was going to do a sick clinic there half a day a week, three years ago, and no one would take care of a COVID patient. And I would, and that half day turned into a full day. And that full day turned into like five to six days and we're there 10 to 12 hours a day. And that was just a very organic relationship that developed. And you really know when you can work somebody with somebody in a tiny building in the bowels of COVID, as I say, it was terrible some days, you know, where we'd have IV fluids going in a parking lot and holding an airway open, you know, waiting on EMS to get there um, or a drive-through line for COVID testing, you know? So that really, you know, we built a team and a relationship based on on that and and then we opened be beautiful east hill together so we jointly own although we're all in the same area it's really three separate businesses so my primary practice and then the aesthetics um, business is separate yeah i think those collaborative relationships again are so important and i hope that uh, you being here with us today and our ongoing uh, work together shows people that you can collaborate and be successful in all your businesses you can i mean people i do think that they lose that collaboration part because there's i don't know sometimes like a little bit of that competitive feeling or the competition, but there's plenty of work to do what you want to do. I would just encourage you to create your mission and stick to it. And you're not going to be for everyone. You're not going to provide every service, but I think you'll be, it's really rewarding for the ones that you can help. Agree. Well, thank you for coming out. We certainly appreciate it and look forward to many more years of collaboration and friendship. But yeah, I thank know. you so much. Appreciate I always it. I love seeing you guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you guys, for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you next week on another episode of Beauty and the Brain.